Hey guys, it's your boy Frank here again with the Pause Reviews Podcast. And I'm back this week with another paused repeat for you. Another installment of a past episode repeated on this podcast. So this week, I thought it'd be fun to bring back our conversation on Disney's Onward, which originally aired on April 30th of 2020. And I thought that made sense, just given the fact that Soul has now been out for a little while. And folks that have been watching that have been really measuring it up against and comparing it to Disney's Onward. We will be back. Oh, we're so close, guys. We're so close. February 4th, 2021. I have been missing it so much. I Not only doing the podcast and, and having the conversations and all that, but, but also the routine that comes with it. And if you've been following us on Instagram during the break, you'll know that not having that guidance and structure has really led me off the deep end. I have just been pouring through garbage, pale reality television and really cheesy game show stuff, like the Fox masked stuff, the mass singer and mass dancer. And I can see your voice, like pretty much all the shows on Fox hosted by Ken Jeong. Uh, been pouring through those. It's a problem. It's becoming a real problem, guys. So I need the podcast back as much, if not more, than you guys do. But in the meantime, please enjoy this repeat episode of Disney's Onward. So spoiler alerts, you've been warned. We're going to talk about it. Where can you watch it? This is one of the first ones we're doing that is free and clear for people who already pay for Disney Plus. So if you if you have Disney Plus, you can watch Onward for free. It's included in the membership. Uh, if not, you can rent it for $5.99 or buy it for $19.99. Honestly, if, if you're going to rent this movie, just get Disney Plus. I think Disney Plus just for Disney alone without ESPN or Hulu. I'm pretty sure is like $5.99 or $6.99. So for the cost of renting this one movie, you can unlock your entire childhood. So sign up for Disney Plus if you're going to rent this movie. Uh, you'll be glad that you did. Even if it's just for a month, you'll get more than your money's worth. And and, be, and do it and don't watch this movie. <laughs> watch something else on Disney Plus. And like I, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, exactly. I, I literally what I was gonna say is as a disclaimer to that, there is so much actual content on on Disney Plus beyond just what you expect to be there. The Imagineering story, which is like the history in four or five parts of the Imagineering arm of Disney and the parks, was fantastic. Frank and I talked a little bit about the the Nat Geo stuff that they've had on there and stuff. Yeah. Um, not to mention like the Mandalorian and if you're into Marvel, all the Marvel stuff that's coming and the future Star Wars shows, it, it's totally worth it. There's much more on there and stuff you'll forget that was even Disney property that's on there. So Dude, they're, it, absolutely right. They're about to come out with a special that's uh, like props and something or whatever, but it's basically a behind the scenes making of some of their biggest stuff, including Mandalorian, yeah. but it's Nightmare yep. Before Christmas. It's going to be absolutely. like this deep dive into the world of Disney. Ugh. Guys, for six bucks, just do it. It is it is so much above everything else out there. Yeah, um, and then don't watch this. <laughs> and don't watch this, right? All right, so onward. That's where you can get it. That's how you can watch it. That's how much it is. Uh, so this one was released in 2019. That's not true. This was released in 2020. Yeah. Um, and so and so director Dan Scanlon. So Dan Scanlon, he's also the writer on this one. He wrote or he directed Monsters University and also wrote that. 
Uh, he was on the creative team, quote unquote, for Coco Inside Out, Brave and Incredibles 2 and Tim's favorite, Toy Story 4. He didn't write or direct those. He was just sort of on the team. I give that as a little backstory and you'll kind of see why in just a second. Budget. OK, so budget for this one. We can't get solid numbers, but it's somewhere between 175, 200 million. And the worldwide gross is only 103. This is kind of important. We'll get to it in a second. Yeah. This one's got Tom Holland, Chris, Platt, Chris Pratt, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Octavia Spencer. Those are kind of the big names. I did. <laughs> I played. Uh, I played the game with Alyssa called Spot the Ratzenberger, um, <laughs> and I couldn't find him. He's yeah. He's in this, and I looked it up later, but I have no recollection of him in this movie. No, I. Uh... I looked I, I looked at the IMDB and I can't even really uh, pull up the character. Um, yeah, for those I of you who to... don't know, John Ratzenberger voices uh, the pig in Toy Story. but And he's also Mac in Cars. Basically, he is someone's voice in every Disney movie since 1994, 92. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so, so I do love playing that game. I couldn't find him this one. Um, synopsis. This one's pretty short. I kept it short and sweet. In a once magical land, now turned normal, two brothers set off on a mythic quest for a stone that can bring back their dead father for one day. <sighs> That's about as light as this one gets, guys. Um, okay, overall opinions. Tim, let's start with you. Um, I mean, it's Pixar, so you know it's going to be beautiful. Um, just their standard of animation at this point. You know, it's like Coco with the, the colors and the, the color palette is just, uh, it does a lot uh, for for the movie. That said, I feel like the the family dynamic, the whole kind of setup for this is getting a little narrow, um, mm. whereas uh, Coco and Inside Out are much more relatable on a broad sense and help you know achieve all the feels that you get from those movies. I mean this this movie had moments of of like awe, but it just I don't relate enough to what these characters this the, are feeling in this movie as opposed to those other ones. Um, so the beauty is there. I just uh, I, I don't uh, to sum it up. I think my wife said it best when it was over. She goes, "That was cute." Yeah, I I struggled with this one. Um, point blank, I didn't like it. Uh, for a couple of reasons, and we'll dive into some of them. I do agree with you. I think it's gorgeous, and I think that's a testament to Pixar. Um, yeah. They were working on this and nothing else. In terms of the writing and the storytelling and that kind of stuff, I I remember when this came out, when this trailer hit, it felt very rushed. That was sort of the sense I kept getting, and I had a hard time really explaining what that meant. Um, and I think I've sort of dialed it in a bit through some conversations between you and I and that kind of stuff where, you know, this comes out right on the heels of Rise of Skywalker, but also Frozen 2. And Frozen yeah. 2 had so much lead time. And I feel like for the big releases, Moana, Frozen 2, Cars 3, Coco, we are sort of force-fed advertising and marketing for these movies for years. I remember with Cars... For a long time, the only teaser was the logo and cars revving and sort of like this Days of Thunder style racing montage. Yeah. And that was all we got. And, and lightning flipping a million times and whatever. But that was forever before the movie came out. This one, I didn't really see a lot except for when they dropped the full trailer. And then the movie came out what seemed like a few days later. 
But again, right on the heels of Frozen 2. So while it looks amazing and it looks beautiful and, and definitely up to par with what you would expect from Pixar, in terms of storytelling, narrative, character development, that kind of stuff, I felt like the B team was on this one. And, and when we look at the writer-director Dan Scanlon and, and you know, his... Well, yes, he was on the creative team of some of my favorites. Monsters University is certainly not up there. And this very much feels like a... And not to say Monsters University was, but this feels like one of those classic direct-to-video sequel-type movies that Disney used to put out there. This is like on par with Simba's Pride or, or you know, Jafar's whatever and, and, and on and on. Yeah. So, yeah, this just this was definitely not my favorite for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I, I, I didn't actually think about it until um, we kind of put those pieces together, but it looks like the trailer to this dropped with Toy Story 4, so in May of 2019, so almost a year ago. That's um, so is, much more right? than I even thought. Um, so when I thought about that, I did not see Toy Story 4 in theaters as much as I wanted to, but I'm glad I didn't. Um, but... I was actually at Disney, um, Disney World for a full week in October of 2019 over um, Halloween. And uh, you're absolutely right. I did not see anything for this movie. I mean, you're talking right. gift shops upon gift shops upon gift shops at Halloween. This sort of feels like a movie that you might want to push at Halloween um just because of the 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 creature aspect of it like yeah the elves you know, I could, and the... yeah and 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 the monster angle of it but everything was rise of skywalker everything was frozen 2 everything was moana and i don't i don't necessarily even recall seeing a a billboard or an ad i mean you are in and we stayed on Disney property. You are in that Disney bubble 100 percent for seven days. And I don't know that I saw a single thing about this movie. Well, that's I did not see Toy Story 4, not in the theater or otherwise. So I guess that makes sense. I wouldn't have even been exposed to this trailer in yeah. 2019. Uh, yeah, you would think. I mean, Disney, one of the things is, you know, when a Disney movie's coming out, they let you yeah. know. Um, yep. and, and I just didn't get that sense from this one. So diving into it, uh, so we talked a little bit about the budget, right? So a budget of around $200 million and really only bringing in about half of that. Because of that, there's so many articles and everyone talking about this is talking about how this might be Disney Pixar's biggest flop. I think that's unfair. So something very interesting with this movie is uh, this one was released March 6th, I believe. So really right I mean, this is so. This is the first movie we're talking about on this podcast that was really affected by COVID nineteen and this worldwide pandemic. But March sixth, while still early on in our fight against this this virus, it was still very much at the peak part of where we are very aware of what's happening in the world. And I feel like people had already really started to limit the unnecessary trips to movie theaters and things of that nature. Um, this movie was one hundred percent affected by COVID-19. And so, uh, you know, those opening weekend numbers, that kind of stuff, I feel like are very skewed. And and to not talk about that, to not put an asterisk next to, you know, any discussion of the profitability of this, sh of this movie is ridiculous. And I think that's, it's also spoken to with the fact, or with, with the reality of how this is done sort of on the back end, right? 
Yeah. And the legs that this thing has. Disney has done something very smart. This movie was affected, but so were a bunch of Universal releases. So The Invisible Man, uh, The Hunt, and Mm -hmm. Emma. These were all movies that were sort of in the theaters around the same time, and people just weren't going to watch it. Now, this sort of started that whole cinema at home thing. So Universal's approach was, we're going to release these movies for you to be able to watch at home, pay 20 bucks, and you can rent them for 48 hours, right? Well, Disney from Jump said, pay us the 20 bucks and we'll just give you Onward, right? So they did it where it was a purchase. Ever since these movies came to be available to us at home, Onward has been number one on the iTunes rental list, even though it was available for purchase. And it was, I believe, number eight on Prime Video. Keeping in mind that you were paying $20 to own this movie and competing against movies that were normal rental prices, $3.99 to $5.99. So to be number one and number eight, respectively, for iTunes and Amazon is crazy when you're talking about a lot of other movies, The Gentleman and all these other big-name titles that were becoming available to rent, right, at significantly lower prices. Now, compared to Universal, which didn't make them available for purchase but made them available for rent, those don't even appear in the top 100 on iTunes, and they're like 50 and worse on Amazon. So we don't know exact numbers of how well they've done, But for it to be that successful onward, to be that successful in the home market against that type of competition, when you're seeing other things floundering and failing, I think it's safe to say this is going to prove to be a very successful movie for Disney, given the circumstances. And if this had played in in a world that was not affected by this horrific virus, the numbers would be very different for this movie, whether or not it's good or not people would have gone to see this because people are already watching it at home. Yeah. I, I think too, they didn't really have anything to lose really at this point. Um, you I know, don't I, understand why everyone didn't out. make it a movies available for purchase. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not, there's really, this is the only case study in this because, right. you know, I think what March, February, March, this is usually not the best time of the year for movies. You know, you're usually talking about Christmas or summer blockbusters is when like, you're going to schedule all the major stuff to come out after this, everything else that was slated to come out has been pushed like nothing, you know, exactly right. So we're not going to know what the case study in this was, you know, if, if we'd gotten to the summer blockbusters that people were expecting, um, I like the biggest one that I was expecting was the Ghostbusters Afterlife, which that was just about to start ramping up. You know, we haven't seen a second, really a full trailer for that yet. Um, you know, what what would that have looked like if something that really had some power behind it? Um, we're not going to know. You know, I think the other ones that this was up against, it's not really anything that maybe, you know, again, we're all stuck together at home. So what's the easiest thing, especially if you're with kids, you're going to you're going to pull this down out of out of those offerings that were all mentioned, yeah. you know, unless, you know, unless something else is your niche. Um, you know, some of the arguments I was hearing, is like, well, you know, 20 bucks, you know, if you have four or five people in your house is still cheaper than the night at the movies. It's like, eh, yeah, but, you know, again, in this case, six ninety nine, it's going to get you a lot more on Disney Plus. So Absolutely. And not everyone's going to be not everyone in my house is going to chip in. So yes, yeah, right, you know, right. it, yeah, it's. I, I think it's it's a, it's definitely an interesting conversation, and, and it's it's sort of this bubble in terms of because you're right, this is this is it for content for now, yeah. because everything yep. else has been pushed. Nothing else is going to come out until 
uh, we're through all this. You know, it's just, it's a fascinating thing, but in terms of what could have been or, or whatever, but my main point is, I think it's very unfair to call anything a flop because there's just no way to know what this would have done or could have done right because this is not our normal world and this is yep. not the normal market not to mention that it's available right now for free on disney plus for their subscribers like yeah. what a what a way to treat your clientele Hey, thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for having the subscription. I know people have complained. A lot of people signed up because they wanted the Marvel content. Now that's all been pushed because of all of this. Right. We'll give you Onward right now. I mean, the yeah. fact that we're not even two months from when this movie first dropped in theaters and you can stream it for free, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a test case maybe for a lot of things. Um, you know, this is a new platform for them. I mean, they did Lady and the Tramp went directly to Disney+. Plus. This could be the future of this type of movie. You're talking about like those directed DVD sequels as well. It's going to be directed Disney Plus kind of kind of content. I think it's definitely so. already on their radar. It always has been to, to have some things that just air on Disney+. Plus yeah. um, Or yeah. premiere, rather. But anyways, yeah, no, I think it is fascinating. And it's going to be interesting to watch, like, yeah. like many things that they do. Let's jump into the movie more specifically, uh, and we'll start by talking with some of the challenges that we that we thought were in here. And I'll kick it off. You know, I think the main issue for me is that at no point did any part of this story really suck me in. You know, the the characters, the conflict, the world itself, while, while impressive to look at, none of it really captivated me. I found none of it relatable. I didn't see myself in anything, and it just never grabbed me. And especially telling a story. So to, to get a little bit more into sort of what this is about, we come into this family. It's two brothers, Ian and Barley. They have lost their father. Ian never met him. He died while his mom was pregnant maybe or or very shortly thereafter barley who's a bit older voiced by chris pratt the younger brother ian voiced by tom holland barley has some memory of his father but still not much and it's uh, you know they basically say he got sick he got sick it's implied you know cancer something like that he died very young and somewhat unexpectedly right and so Ian has struggled with this. You factor in also they exist in this world that used to be magical, but magic was difficult. And so, which I thought this was sort of a clever thing. Magic was not something that everyone could easily do. So people started inventing electricity, so on. And eventually everyone just stopped using magic altogether. And Barley uh, is very obsessed with the history of his world and magic. He's very, you know, D&D style guy. He plays this game that is based on what his world used to be. And so they find out, this is Ian's 16th birthday, their father left them a wizard staff with a stone that would bring him back for one day so he could see how they grew up, right? But I guess Barley tries it, can't get it to work. Ian tries it. It works right away, but only halfway. And they bring back their father's legs. And now, in order to finish it, they have 24 hours to find a new stone and try to finish the spell so they can bring the dad back. I feel like there's bones there, but none of it really grabbed me. Everything felt very surface. And especially from, you know, there's so many points where you can get me, right? 
my anxiety, one of my fears is dying young and not being able to see my kids grow up. I couldn't even relate to that. I lost my yeah. father at a very young age. Didn't relate to that. There were so many things where I, I felt primed to like this, and yet somehow I didn't. And I can't necessarily say exactly why, except just that everything felt very random. There was there was no cohesion to it. It was just kind of, hey, here's this. Hey, their father died. Hey, there used to be magic. Hey, he's an elf. Hey, look at that. It's a centaur. But n- no reason as to why. No reason yeah. as to why things are happening. And, and so I felt like I was just sort of watching flash and glitter on a screen, but giving <laughs> me no substance. You know what I'm saying? It just felt yeah, like a I bunch mean, of buzzwords. I, I mean... Barley in and of himself as a character was completely random. I'm not sure that person exists in the world who is a metalhead into D&D, also knows a lot about his cars, but is also a hippie and is going to protests for, you know, uh, maintaining sacred that is monuments. So true. Like, He's literally an amalgam of everything. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't have an older brother, but I, from every th- stories that I have heard and people who I know that have older brothers, I feel like older brothers make more of an impression on you than Barley made on Ian. Like, it's almost like they don't, they're not even brothers. Like, it, it, they're so different and have nothing in common, but we also really don't know what Ian's deal is at all. Like, he's not really into his friends. I mean, he's in high school. Like, the, 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 you know, he, he doesn't have friends. He is not a jock, but he's not the smart kid. I, he's just kind of nobody. Uh, I don't know. Now, that's really true because he's, he's not the nerd. He's also not the athlete. He's also not the, you know, like the scholar. He's just kind of not. And I, and I guess I can see that, you know, he's sort of the everybody but by yeah. being nobody, none of us have an in into who he is. None of us have a way to find him relatable, and therefore none of us have... There's, You spend two hours or an hour and 45 minutes clawing for something to grab onto, but everything you grab, you just cannot hold on. Like, there's just nothing yeah. of substance. And, and, and that's frustrating. You expect more from Disney. Yeah, and I, you know, you 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 choose this world, but if magic is the really big aspect of this, it doesn't really have to be set in a magical world with creatures and everything else. So, I I would have liked a little bit more world building. Like I'm, you know, I'm into that kind of thing, whether it's you know cryptozoologic or uh, you know mythical creatures and kind of stuff. So it was kind of fun to be like, oh, cool, a manticore or something like this. But there were some creatures in here. I was like, I don't. I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know who these people are. Are they supposed to be some, you know, there's no explanation of what the, what kind of purpose they are or, or things. And then there's just other weird things. Like one of his classmates um, clearly has an accessibility issue. He's like this giant purple guy and he has crutches and you're like, okay, so a world of magic, but there's, you know, there's real cancer and, and, you know, uh, accessibility needs and um and then later on i think there's like a gender um 
one of the the police officers is talking about her girlfriend and it's clear that that, that she's in a, in a, um, a lesbian relationship and I, what what is this world is very confusing it seems very human construct we've got highways and things like that but then they all live in mushrooms and I, there's just a lot of things that are just there why <laughs> yeah guess. well i feel like this movie failed to do what zootopia did very well which yeah. is sort of to you know you you embrace this world and and but everything makes sense in the world you can relate to all of it they live in normal you know and and i think that especially you mentioned a lot about the characters and sort of that character development and I can understand they're trying to make a lot of these things very commonplace. But if this is supposed to be my world, right? If I'm supposed to see this as a reflection of what we have become and, and evolved into, not become in a negative sense, but what we've evolved into in a positive sense, okay, well, if I'm supposed to see this as my world, well, what's the magic in my world, right? Mm, like, like yeah. what's the reflection then? What's the commentary on what we have lost? Well, and we're not talking about hundreds of years either, right? Like, right. he's so Ian's 16, Barley's, it's a, he's in a gap year, so he's somewhere in college. Um, so their dad's only been dead for maybe 16, right? Maybe 16 years, tops. right? Yeah, tops. And everybody has just completely forgotten about magic in 16 years to the point that it's relegated to a board game only and it's well, just i think the i think the loss of magic happened even before the dad's time i think okay. he he was just in his last days looking for anything that he could you know some might turn to religion some might whatever okay. he sort of found that this might be possible that he could come back and see his kids later and so he left that for them and okay. sort of then found those elements gotcha that 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 makes that a little bit more I was struggling with that because yeah. I was just yeah, like, yeah. you know, in, in, in that short amount of time, we've just <laughs> yeah, that completely forgotten it. <laughs> like, ah! right. and, and that's where it's been like, well, you know, there were like things <laughs> that, that you could fix. <laughs> like, like, just... You have no memory of anything before 2004. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Right. That's all gone. <laughs> right. Right. But I think there's, you know, that, 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 I, and I and I guess it's 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 there, but it is that that you know Barley's this activist, right? It, where he's mm -hmm. fighting against erasing history, and I'm not sure what that commentary is either. Like you know, he seems to be the only one that really cares, and uh, it, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. You know, you've seen stuff like that in Wally, right? Like that whole movie is a commentary on big box stores and the destruction of the planet and things like that. And, <laughs> and it's obese like, America. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like they kind of started to go that way with this, but you're right. It's like what what is that thing that you're saying we've lost as a world or as a society that 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 is that stand in for magic? And I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. No, that's exactly it. And and I think in in its place they just they just kept dropping useless useless tidbits, things that I would hope led to something, but then they didn't, right? So like yeah. and Barley is is the exposition for all of this. He's he's our guide. He yeah. he's the one that's most knowledgeable of magic and that kind of stuff to the point where he's training his brother in something he can't do himself. But 
um, that that aside, he's just constantly throwing out facts. So his, I don't know, is it a stepdad? Is it a boyfriend? I, boyfriend. I felt like I got yeah. it both ways, right? Yeah. So um, is a centaur. So they're a family of elves, but the centaur is this cop. He'll just chime in. He goes, hey, did you know centaurs could run 70 miles an hour? That never comes into play, ever. Like his no. car doesn't break down and then suddenly he, he digs deep and, and gets this primal to save the kids like he could have chased lightning like, fast yeah like he could have chased them down uh in in the the third act when they block the road with boulders like exactly why not i mean same thing with the fairies the fairies used to be able to fly that was but my now next thing 40 fairies take to one uh, whatever the number is but they all drive a motorcycle and you mean to tell me it like coordination for a bunch of little fairies to drive a motorcycle is easier than flying well (laughs) and and even that right right like this is supposed to be things that are easier now again he's like now the fairy scene that did make it's hilarious you know so that's one of the highlights in terms of just just those ridiculously hilarious characters yeah but the point is is then he's telling these fairies they can fly when they're in and that's the other thing right when they're about to come crashing down to the earth because they've gotten in this massive motorcycle wreck instead of splatting on the pavement their bodies take over and they fly now suddenly they can fly does that play any role in this movie at all do the fairies grateful for barley's words of encouragement or whatever that caused them to regain this ability make them find them later on in the third act and lead some charge like do they all avenger style like rally together against this what we're gonna find out is this dragon who's part of the curse of this stone i know we're getting ahead of ourselves right but obviously there's a boss fight at the end like do they all rally together do they all form this magical coalition for the first time are they all like tapped into their innate abilities and we see it possible with the fairies like and what that's the first time any of them have been in danger to the point where flying might have saved them and yet so there's just there's all these throwaway moments that lead to nothing there's a side mission so the boys are on this mission to find the stone And, and so they leave home with their with the lengths of their father and 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 even that we'll get to that and it's supposed to be funny and endearing but he has zero personality there's no interaction between the legs and the sons that make me be like long for them to be together. It nah, ends up yeah. just sort of being a, a montage of like weekend at Bernie style sort of slapstick humor because they I put did... like a stuffed animal body on him. <laughs> I absolutely lost it though. When uh, they are being chased by the fairies and the dad's, stuffed animal top body kind of falls out the window and lays like shaking his arm yes, at traffic that is funny was just pure brilliance but yeah i mean uh, there is no communication between them and i i guess the big bad of the entire movie is the race against time to get their dad fixed right so they can spend whatever time with him I never even really paid attention to the passage of time. I never felt like they were under threat of anything. Um, You know. Well, and so while you have this main quest with the brothers and their father, you have this side quest with the manticore and the mother, because what we find out is that even if the brothers find this stone, they're going to activate a curse. That's going to bring some horrific dragon to life that only this special sword can kill. 
Um, and the, it's the Manticore sword. So then we have this little side tangent of the of the mom and this this Manticore. So Julie, Julia Louis Dreyfus plays the mother, and Octavia Spencer plays the Manticore. And they're just driving in a Prius. They stop at a pawn shop. They find the the sword. Everything just gets resolved very easily. Yeah. Right. You just don't care about any of it. It's all very, very weak. And it comes sort of to a head where we drudge through this poo storm of storytelling. And we get to the end of this journey where they have traveled 22 hours, right? Only to end up exactly back where they started. And. This really bothered me because, again, it's not like the message was everything you needed is here, which I guess is kind of the message, but it's so poorly done. And so we've talked a lot about show me at the beginning what happens in the end. Yeah. And so this movie does that. It checks the box, but it does it not that well. So we see and the reason why I think is because you nailed it. Barley is this like historical preservationist and there's this random fountain that the cops are trying to keep him from protesting on because they want to destroy it and it turns out that that fountain is where this stone has been the whole time right and so in the end that's where the stone is boom showed me the beginning give it to me at the end right you can find it in any movie like it is a staple of filmmaking right but it didn't make sense why Barley would have done that. And and to, to then take me on this whole journey to bring me back there. So so you can't really solve that by showing me at the beginning what's at the end if what's at the end is, is the beginning. Like, right. then the journey you just took me on meant nothing. Well, and that's almost what, it, what the movie ends up saying is that the journey was pointless in all of this because the the memories that ian is looking for he's had the whole time with his brother as a stand-in for his dad and so he was never gonna get anything he has this whole list of things that he hopes to achieve in the hours that he has with their dad and i just don't what it ends up saying is like oh what did you need your dad for you've had your brother here the whole time you've just never been able to to look past it and the journey was kind of tangential to that. It just just served as a mechanism for him to realize that his brother has been what he's wanted from his dad the entire time. Uh, and so it really, it just kind of is like, no matter how they, I, it, the journey just wasn't even important for that. I I, I don't know. It, well, but it, I guess it's important in the sense that, so he, like you, I like that you mentioned the checklist. He wants to play catch and he wants to have a meaningful conversation and he wants to tell him about his whole life and he wants to do all this stuff, right? Yeah. He checks all those boxes with his brother in the last 20 hours. Right. They play catch on the giant Cheeto. They, right. you know, have a laugh dancing with their dad's legs. They, you know, they do all these things, right? But it's like, but you did all those things now. You haven't played catch right. with your brother as a kid. You didn't do yeah. all these things. So you did miss out on having a father. You yeah, should want to see who he is. Like yeah, That's a good point. And not to mention that you send me on this journey only then at the end. It's like, I want to know my dad. He is he is so hungry to want to know his dad that he has he'll have a conversation about his father with anyone who even remotely knows. He makes his brother tell a million the same story a hundred times. He's asking his mom about his dad. He meets some guy in a fast food restaurant because he's wearing his dad's sweatshirt and he's like, "Oh, I went to college with your father," 
and who was randomly voiced by Wil- Wilmer Valderrama in right. like a thirty second cameo. <laughs> and so that's so true. And so he is eager to take in as much info about his dad as he can possibly have. And then yeah. at the end, when you've done all this to actually meet him, you decide that you don't need to and it's more important that your brother gets the chance which which i guess i understand on a surface level but it goes against everything you pitched me and to then explain it away in that oh i got everything from my brother listen i've got siblings i'm here to tell you nothing replaces a father you know what i'm saying like i would never expect my sister to be like i don't need a dad i had my brother and and I did a lot for her and, and that kind of stuff when, when we had no one else. But I, in no way, shape, or form do I think I replace that. And so to, yeah, right. to, to explain that away in a moment, I, I don't know. It felt, the very little character that you gave me, it felt totally against that for him yeah. to then just throw that away. Like it didn't matter so much anymore that he didn't yeah. need it. It just, I don't know. I just didn't buy it. Again, I couldn't. I couldn't sit with that. I couldn't relate to that. Well, and then just the whole boss battle too. Like you're on a quest, you know it's coming. You said it before. Like it, it's 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 going to happen. They know it's going to happen from the beginning because they know there's going to be you know a, a final a final scene. And for Barley to have been right about everything in the step of every step of this journey, like you know about what road to take they run into the gelatinous cube yes. after he waxes poetic about it you know he's been right about everything but he doesn't no inkling that there'd be a curse at the end like oh my god tim i'm so glad you said that yes yes it just he it, like he's caught by surprise and they made such a big deal and all of this is based off of his board game to a t and he doesn't know about a curse that is so spot on how do you not know there's a curse? How do you not know that you need the... Ma- he knows he needs to go to the Manticore to get the quest and to get the map. How do you right. not know that you need the sword? How do right. you not know that these... Because apparently these are staples of the Manticore, right? right? And right. so, because you told me this. And, and right. I, again, again, you set up a character to, to play a role that they end up not even being able to fulfill. It's so poorly done. It's difficult to find good in this. I don't know. What else? The quest. We talked about the quest. It felt boring. It felt like it, it went nowhere. Like there was no point. E- even the things they encounter on the quest aren't exciting. They're not thrilling. They're, not, they're nothing. It's, you literally just watch a road trip, like an any day road trip, with, with very little conflict. With very yeah. little issues. Like they yeah. run into a few snags here and there, but they very easily navigate them to end up back where they started. So again, it's like you're not even you're not even really shaping anything, any part of the ending, any part of any of it. It's it's very frustrating. Um okay, so taking a little sidestep, another thing that I struggled with with this movie is that it was so on the nose and so heavy-handed. You know, it's not subtle. There's no artistry to the message that they're trying to put out there. And because of that, I feel like this is this would be a difficult movie to watch with kids unless you are prepared or need to have a very serious and and 
upfront and no holds barred conversation about death and disease and, and, you know, tragedy in your own life. You know, I think this movie could serve that purpose well, but again, like, unless you're prepared to explain to your children some pretty hard messages, like this isn't, and this, that's not new to Disney. Every Disney movie, like every superhero is born of someone's parent dying. Right. But yeah, this felt different. There, there are better movies in Disney's canon that do it better. I mean, and and in recent canon too. Yes. Yeah. Um. You know, you're talking about Coco and that dealing with the loss of a loved one, um, and that their you know memory is always with you. Or even Frozen Two, and I didn't really care for Frozen Two that much, but just that whole uncertainty of adulthood and the when I grow up and the into the unknown and um you know there's just those things and and, and inside out too like that it's normal as you grow up that things aren't always happy memories and Mm -hmm. it's all of those things are important to shape you there are other movies in Disney's canon that do this well and do it on a universal level. Uh, again, I think this was just too specific. And actually, one of the things that surprised me was the first time I've ever watched a Disney Pixar and felt like it was very gendered. Where I was Interesting. like, this feels like a boy's movie. And I don't know that I've ever watched a Disney Pixar movie and went, oh, this is a boy movie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I don't know that there is much appeal in this for a young girl at all. I would agree with that completely to the point where when I did see the trailer, I thought to myself, you know, I I wanted to watch this with Gabriel because this very much felt like a father-son movie, which I don't think is a bad thing. You know, I I think, you know, what Frozen was for siblings and and Inside Out is for everybody. Right. uh, You know, I thought, hey, great. This is a father-son movie, but so is Lion King. Right. Yeah. But yet somehow it's very relatable to anybody. I I, yeah. I think you I think I would agree with you completely that this is a father son movie that really sort of says this isn't for you to a lot of people. Yeah, I just I felt like it was it was just heavy. And and actually, after we watched this, this is one of the few Disney movies I've ever seen where like we had to watch something after like we had to put on mm. some YouTube just to laugh a little bit. Because it, yeah. it just really sits heavy. Not in yeah. a and not in a not in a good way, not in a comforting way, not in a in a in a relief kind of a way or, or you know, it's it's not like one of those movies that you would watch if you're dealing with something and then at the end you're sort of like that you feel good about yourself or you feel resolved in some way or or whatever. You just kind of feel bad. And and I think it's partly the heavy handedness, but I think it's also that it's just not a well done movie. And, you know, it's kind of like you ever eat, you could eat a whole plate of food, but if there's no cohesion, if the, if the, if the meal doesn't make sense, where at the end you still feel hungry, even though you're not, you like, you couldn't put another piece of food in your mouth, but yet you feel like you didn't have them. And that's what I feel about this. Like I felt like Disney gave me a plate of this and there was no cohesion. There was no plan to it. And so at the end, I still felt hungry for a movie, even though I can't bring myself to watch another second. And yet at the end, all of the characters are better off and in better situations for having gone through the movie. I guess. Um, 
I mean, everybody seems resolved and happy. Ian's got friends now at the end, and we don't really know where Barley's off to. Suddenly he's like a teacher or something where he's talking about magic to a classroom of people who don't necessarily... Not to mention, no one else has magic yet. It's not like we then open up on a world a few months later where people are starting to dabble. It's still just him. And they're totally cool with their stepdad, boy, mom's boyfriend guy right. now. And and he runs uh, now, which is good. Now, when he took his hat yeah, off right. and that mane went off, that, that was, was funny. <laughs> but um, where was that yeah. when we needed it? Yeah, right. And I just, they're, the Manticore realized that instead of running a really cheesy restaurant, they're running a less cheesy restaurant <laughs> I, I don't i don't really know she like, was the worst she ends up exactly just, where she was except she just starts a few more fires and has and no lets, sleeves yeah and lets the fairies play darts in the restaurant now i i, I don't <sighs> I, yeah um uh, yeah everybody seemed a lot more better off for that journey than 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 we did <laughs> well yeah but again i i suppose um some highlights it was difficult for me to find some good about this movie you know mm. i think the only things to say is there there are some funny yeah. moments we've talked about a few those are probably the only ones you know yeah. you're gonna get a chuckle or two here or there i will say a highlight is the boss fight right because yeah. the manticore tells this story of this epic curse and this demon dragon or whatever and so this thing starts to come together by essentially destroying the school and the school are the dragons and then you know it it rips chunks of concrete and whatever to form its body around this glowing orb that is its heart essence whatever that's the thing you have to stab with the manticore sword and when this thing comes together and turns around and they have this cartoony dragon on the side of the building like the mascot and when it turns around and it has that face (laughs) I thought I, I mean, I almost wet my pants. That was it's hilarious. So yeah, yeah, that's a highlight moment. Um, uh, there's a part. There's that part where um, it's it pops out parts of the dragon face above its eyeballs and uses those as eyebrows. Was just <laughs> yes. amazing, just to add some emotion to this like expressionless face. Yeah, and the sound effect that they gave the dragon's roar, like, just sounded like a um like a a cement truck full of cinder blocks and metal rebar like it oh that was is a true wonderful sound effect i thought it was hilarious yeah considering how this thing is made up yeah it was great it was um, great you know and i do think while it's lacking i think the reveal moment of the brotherly love and the realizing what you had and and that that kind of thing i think that played well you know, in, as well as it could have, considering how little you gave us to sort of build on. Like, again, yeah. I didn't feel s- em- totally emotionally invested. But, yeah. you know, I think for what it is, that was a nice moment. And it's and it, it very much felt Disney-ish. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, so you, but I think, I think with the sugar, you get the bad in the sense that I think the few little elements you get that are good really only accentuate the lows in terms yeah. of like they don't quite hit as high as they should and they don't really elevate anything it's just sort of to remind you uh, that it didn't quite do enough um or at least enough of what you were expecting and i think you just reminded me of one of the my biggest issue in the end is they had enough time 
Barley and his dad, which you're seeing from Ian's point of view off in the distance. And um, Ian's behind this remnants of the dragon rubble. And they had enough time to like have this little chat and a long, good hug. They couldn't have tried to run over to Ian and just like lift him up over the wall just to hug his dad. Like Ian they, couldn't have elevated himself over that wall, uh, which he then uh, yeah. very easily climbs out of. Yeah, like once and it's all was, over, and maybe that's just supposed to signify his relegation that it is more important for his brother to get those moments, but. You know, again, like you said, his brother had those four moments, and yeah, I guess his biggest moment is not being able to say goodbye. But like, that's a traumatic experience for a kid, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I have not been through that myself. I mean, I, I I'm not going to tell a kid to get over it, right? But like, I just feel like as I would, you know, would have gotten older, I'd be like, that's a lot for a kid, a young kid, to go through to see your your dad hooked up to machines and things like that, and he just really beats himself up over that and uh, it, it's tough uh, i don't know i think too for me looking at it from a father perspective right because i can see this as a son but i can also see this as a father and you know there's a moment in the movie where the where the mother delivers this just heart-wrenching line for me where she's trying to comfort ian in turn because ian has never gotten to meet him and so she says that your father fought so hard to be here because he wanted to meet you. That's all he wanted was to meet you. And yeah. so then you get to the end where sure Ian has this great, I guess, epiphany and says, Oh, I don't need him. I've had my brother, but we forget that the father found this spell for the sole purpose of wanting to see his sons and what they grew up to be. So sure, yeah. you feel at peace with never meeting your father, but you just brought his legs back for a full day. And then in the end, you're going to rob him of the one thing he wanted that he fought cancer to try to meet you and couldn't. And then he left you this spell so he could see you when he couldn't. And now in the end, you're not going to let him see you just because you think you don't need him. What a garbage pale thing to do. Well, and especially then you're also... when you del you hit me as a father <laughs> with that line. What a horrible moment that for me watching that scene play out because yeah. honestly that line stuck with me, right? Like you just like I could imagine that. What a horrible thing. And and then in the end he's just like, "Nah, I'm good." So can, can you imagine being the father? You finally come and, uh, and then you see the one. You're like, hey, where's he? And he's like, oh, he's over there in that pit because he's all set. You know, <laughs> and it's like, what? Well, it's, it's otherwise implying that the dad's legs are more sentient than they let on. Right. Because it, Barley then has that thing at the end where he's like, oh, you know, dad says you grew up great. And, you know, me raising you as a big brother um, is just as much of an, you know, uh, uh, having an impact on you being who you are as a teenager and it's like well how does your dad know that like how do oh my you, god he, yes because he's, he's been legs the entire time so either your dad's legs are really sentient and they have just figured out that you're cool and you're good but otherwise you're right like it was it's just as much for the dad if not more 
for the dad than it was for the kids. Well, and we know the legs can't hear because they go so far as to show a point when he's dancing to the music. He's like, what's he right. doing? Oh, he can feel the vibrations in the ground. Right. Okay. That makes sense to me. He has no ears. But right. then Barley makes a comment of, yeah, dad says that you grew up to be a really great kid. Uh, I don't understand how he knows that. He Did he feel the vibrations of his goodness? Right. And then, yeah, and then Ian's like, oh, well, that has more to do with you than anything. And he goes, yeah, Dad said that too. And it's like, what? What is this conversation? Where is he right. getting this information? He just right. got a face. Like, <laughs> like 30 seconds ago. Yeah, this, the whole thing is just so problematic for me where you're setting up things that don't pay off, you're giving me information that doesn't pay off, things are yeah. happening that affect the story, the characters, the plot, in no way, shape, or form. And honestly, for me, this movie at, like completely is a massive, massive miss. And something that really could have been wonderful. And, and again, I was excited. I wanted to see it with my son. I had a feeling like this is going to be a father-son thing. And... And it just wasn't. And I didn't want it to be exclusive to that. Like I said, I think The Lion King is the story of a father and son and, and sort of and that tragic love. But my God, does that movie do it well? Yeah, you know? right. And yep. but whatever. I, I think in the end, this this movie suffers for existing in a canon where there are so many other options that achieve this better. And maybe yeah. not all of it, but certain parts of it. And I think, again, that's the other part. Like, don't tackle so much. Tell one yeah. story. Solve one problem. Like, let's speak to one moral truth and go from, like, that's that's where you make your money. That's your bread and butter. I don't yeah. need six movies in one because you didn't do any of them well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. before we get into the wrap-up, Tim, do anything we forgot or haven't talked about? No, I mean, I think ultimately it just, you know, maybe if you are more into D&D than I ever was, which is not at all, maybe maybe this hits a little bit more for you. Maybe it's a little bit more, uh, maybe some of the funnier moments are funnier. Maybe there are tropes within D&D that are more subtle uh, in this movie than than anything I would realize. Um, and so maybe that 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 is, you know... Uh, maybe that theme hits a little bit harder for you, but I think that also just accentuates the narrowness of a lot of what this movie is dealing with, whether it's right. the, the, the family setup or just the core of this world's universe is, is kind of a, a small subset. It's not as universal as some of the better movies that we've referenced. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Let's just jump in. What are, what are your final thoughts? Would you, do you recommend it? If you do rental purchase, whatever, and what would you give it? What would what would be your rating? Uh, I would say four of ten. It's it's Disney and Pixar, so I mean it's kind of like the you know a, a bad day in Florida beats a good day anywhere else sort oh, that's of interesting. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's you're not necessarily ever gonna hate yourself unless it's Toy Story four, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way. I was never going to go out of my way for this movie. I think it definitely looked interesting in the trailer. I was never going to see it in the theater. Um, I would have waited till it rolled out to Disney Plus anyway, and I probably would have watched it when it got to Disney Plus anyway. So right. I think if you've got a Disney Plus subscription, um, and even if you want to buy a Disney Plus subscription just to see this movie, you're going to get so much value out of all of the other stuff on Disney Plus that it's not a bad investment. Um, 
you know, if you're doing it solely because you wanted to see this, there's so much other stuff on there. Right. I don't know that I'd watch it again. Um, there's there's a whole host of, of Disney movies that I would want to watch again that also fit into, you know, other times. Like, I'll watch Coco again. I, I'll watch that movie around Halloween or, you know, around the early parts of November. It just, and that feels like it can be a, a holiday-esque or a, a seasonal movie. Um, you know, this was, it was fine. Yeah, no, I agree. I I I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I struggle to even say if you're into X, Y, or Z, or you like this mm-hmm. element, or there's this message you want to get across. I, I struggle of finding any reason to recommend this movie, to be honest with you. I think, uh, I think it really just suffers in many ways, and especially when... And anything you can tell me that you're interested in in getting out of a Disney movie, you can get it better somewhere else, right? If you want to see a really interesting critique and commentary on on our culture and our world and our life and sort of how we've sort of evolved and what we become and how we can be better and, and sort of that moral tale, watch Zootopia. Right. You want to see a movie that really dives into what it's like to grow up and and struggle with the things that we all struggle with and overcome those things and what's normal and what's not. And just being okay with yourself as a person. Watch Inside Out. Um, If you want to see uh, a movie that deals with the subject of loss and, and, and death and sort of overcoming that and and being stronger as a family for it, watch Coco. If you want to see a movie that dives deep into sibling love and and sort of that empowerment that comes from that and leaning on each other and, and siblings being all that you have and, and using that connection to overcome tragedy and heartache and loss in your parents, right? Watch Frozen, right? There's so And if you want a movie that gives you all of those things in one, well, then watch those four movies back to back because yeah. like it's just they do such a better job. Um, than this movie does in any one of those areas. And, or just go back and watch The Lion King if you're looking for that father-son you know, story. Uh, it's, it's, I, I struggle to think of a scenario where this would be the movie to, to see. You know, and I did think, and my wife made the comment, you know, especially now, and all the stuff that we're going through, where so many people are dealing with this unexpected loss of family members. And not only is it tragic, but it's horrific. You know, this whole COVID thing, you know, no, it's not cancer. No, it's not this, but it's not an easy thing to deal with. And more than anything, we are losing people and family who can't even be surrounded by the people that they love. They are dying alone. What a horrible thing. So, you know, I think that in the aftermath of all of this, there's a lot of people who are going to be affected by this severely in the worst possible ways and maybe this movie can speak to that maybe these Mm. this movie can help them have this conversation with their children i would warn you that it is it is so heavy and in your face right that you know unless you can really handle that or you're prepared to have that conversation i think it it could be even more difficult where something like Coco and things like that, just look at things in a more empowering way, in a more yeah. joyful way. And I think, I think this movie tries to do that, but I, I think it falls very short and it's, and it's almost weakened and lessened with the sort of cheesy campiness of this mythical world. I would give this movie a three out of 10 and it only gets the three because like you said, it's Disney and you're going to watch it. It's going to feel familiar but I think if you're like us, it's just gonna it's gonna feel like a 
I don't know. It, it borders on generic. Um, mm. But at the same time, you're, you're going to get some of the things that you hope to get. And, and because of that, and if you already have the Disney Plus subscription, you know, give it a look and, and see. But uh, like I said, there's so much better content there and so much better content almost anywhere else that, you know, that hour and 45 can probably be spent doing other things. Uh, I would watch six Jeff Goldblums before <laughs> I watch this again. So anyway, all right. Well, I think that about sums it up. That's a happy this just, yeah. it's not what I expected. Nah. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna talk about a Disney movie boy. And it was not what a letdown. Yeah. I, I yeah, felt robbed. Yeah, that's you know, it like I said, it was cute. It was uh it was fine, but it wasn't <laughs> it's so convincing. Yeah. It was cute, it was fine. It just it, it just wasn't the and we are huge Disney fans, um, you know, so right. like, yeah, no, me too. Again, on the heels of Coco and, uh, you know, some of that Coco other stuff. Coco makes that, me weep yeah. openly. And that's my thing. Like for this movie to not make me do that. Yeah. When you appeal to me in so many ways, I'm a father. I got kids. I've lost a father. So it's like I didn't shed. I didn't bat an eye. But Coco and, makes me cry like a child. And and Inside Out made me feel more for an imaginary cotton candy elephant man that yes. cries candy oh, yes. in, you know, in the, what, half an hour that that character has screen time than any, anything in this entire movie. So... Yeah. No, so, you know, check it out if you're interested. Let us know what you think. I honestly can't thank you guys enough. We love any comments that we get, any questions that we get, any recommendations or requests. Game for all of it. I might I might razz you a little bit, but honestly, like, love that content. So keep it coming. Uh, you guys know where to reach us on the website. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Paused Reviews. Uh, let's see, what we got coming up next? Ooh, next week is a full fan request week we're going to be doing yeah. uh true romance which was uh, a recommendation a request made by one of our listeners and uh what else yeah man i think that's about it so you know where to find us keep on listening as always thank you for joining us i am your host frank wash your hands everybody keep your <laughs> social distance and uh, we'll see you uh next week we'll see you next week thanks again